Welcome into 125, where we'll discuss the Seahawks playing at the bank for a very exciting game. I'm looking forward to it. This is a good team playing good ball. Pretty holistic. No bad side, no good side of the team. Ninth in Devoa, 10th on offense, 16th on defense, 11th in special teams, so well-rounded. And they just were able to get a come-from-behind victory against the Browns, 24-20 to in Seattle to improve the record to 5-2. and two. Guys, how are you feeling about this first game altogether? Do you think we're going to be able to get out of there unscathed? I'm excited for this game. I could see this game being a game where the Ravens come out and just roll. And similar to what we saw against Detroit, I could see this game going close. Um, you know, it, it in a lot of ways, it feels very similar to that Detroit game, right? This is team, the Seahawks, just like the Lions last year, uh, came out and were a lot more competitive than people expected. You saw a career resurgence for their starting quarterback. I mean, Jared Goff for the Lions, Geno Smith for the Seahawks. I think Geno Smith digging himself out of a bigger hole than Goff had to, though. I mean, no one, no one saw Geno coming in. Um, and doing what he did at the beginning of last year. Um, and also really tough defense, like we're saying. Defense that, you know, when researching, they've been really good in the second half. They have not allowed a touchdown over the past four games. and have only allowed one field goal in the fourth quarter in their last four games. Like this defense, they've been stepping up big time. And of course, their offense, you got plenty of players there who can really give you a defense headache with Kenneth Walker, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, other guys that we'll talk about too. Yeah, I I don't know what to expect with this game because I think that the Ravens have a great roster, but so does this team. So it's going to be a, a, a it's really shaping up to be a great matchup. Yeah, so coming into it, Seahawks are five and two, so they're only two losses. Uh, week one, uh, lost to the Rams at home, thirty to thirteen. That was actually quite a big loss, and then a road uh, loss to the Bengals. Uh, I think that was the first game the Bengals kind of got back on track. Um, but you know, other than that, a couple of wins. I mean, there there's some good ones. Obviously, I think the win last week over the Browns uh, that was a good win. Um, they did beat the Lions in that shootout that went into overtime uh, week two as well. Um, you know, we were actually just kind of talking about that that a couple of weeks ago. But um, you know, through that as well, I mean, you know, they've they've had a couple of wins against some lesser opponents as well. You know, the Panthers, the Giants, the Cardinals. Uh, they kind of round things out. But you know, they've, they've proven it against some level of competition obviously like you said the lions are, are a good team even though we kind of steamrolled them a few weeks ago with uh some flukes i think uh <laughs> still kind of remains to be seen i think with the lions where they're going to end up but um but still i mean you know it's it's a good mix i mean i think you could say the same thing about the ravens you know we've obviously we won some games against some good opponents but lost some games we you know probably should have won so um you know I, I think coming into it they're you know pretty evenly matched in terms of expectations so Anything can happen. Certainly are. This is a team that has some great playmakers on both sides of the ball. And I think if we look at the offense first, a lot of these takes will come with the lens of what I saw, uh, at least from my takes, like what I saw in the game against the Browns, but also like, you know, overall overarching narratives I've heard about the Seahawks throughout the year and you know, bits and pieces I've seen. And basically it looks to me that, Getting the Geno Smith will be a real key to the game because he seems to be a guy that disproportionately plays poor under pressure. You know, everyone usually plays worse under pressure. Sometimes you have these games where players have better stats against pressure. Maybe they found the right wide receiver, get big plays, et cetera. But 
it seems like Gino has some bad decision making. He's been a little loose with the ball lately, a little bit more uh, interceptions, and um, he definitely seemed susceptible to bad decision making, particularly on third down when he got pressured. So um, I think those high leverage downs and Geno Smith's performance there will really be a huge key to the game. And if the Ravens aren't able to get home against their offensive line, which I think looks pretty decent, um, then that could be problematic. Well, I mean, again, another parallel between this matchup and the Detroit matchup, right? I mean, that's what we're saying about golf, right? If he's back there safe in the pocket and everything is unfolding uh, in, in front of him, like it should, then he's going to pick apart a defense, but uh, get pressure on him. Then, uh, yeah, some turnovers can happen. And I mean, you know, to Smith's credit, uh, really hasn't had that many turnovers this year. Although the past couple games, uh, five interceptions after only throwing one through the first four. Um, so there is a little bit of an uptick there. Maybe there's something there on film that the Ravens can see that something might have been uh, cracked there and the defenses are um, picking up on an exact thing that you can do to really rattle him. But yeah, I agree 100%. This is a tough offensive line to do it against, but to have success in this game, the defense is going to need to get the Geno. They're going to need to confuse him. They're going to need to fluster him. He's not a guy who can go out of the pocket and scramble around and make something happen uh, when the pocket collapses. So yeah, that's going to be a huge key here. Um, get to Gino, make sure that he can't get the ball to to the playmakers out there, of which the Seahawks have plenty. Yeah, I mean, certainly kind of throw some names out there. Um, Kenneth Walker, Charbonnet, I think are a good running back duo. Um, and then, you know, your trio of wide receivers, um, obviously you have uh, DK Metcalf, uh, Tyler Lockett has been around for quite a while, and uh, rookie Jackson Smith, uh, Najigba, to kind of round out those guys. Um, all really good weapons. Um, honestly, I think that's probably one of the probably one of the better um, you know cores on the offense uh, to surround Gino. I think it's you know certainly in a good situation. Um, you know Metcalf is is the guy who kind of like um, you know similar to AJ Brown from the Eagles, but just an absolute physical freak um, can you know really do some damage in a lot of different ways. I mean he's he's super strong. He can win those fifty fifty balls if you need him. Uh, super fast as well. Um, you know, Lockett has just been kind of one. I, he kind of reminds me a little bit of um, uh, oh, shoot, I'm trying to remember the name. The guy from the Bengals, not not Chase, not um, Boyd. Boyd, t- yeah, Tyler Boyd. Kind of like one of those guys who like hasn't been maybe one of the top producer, kind of top physical guy um, in terms of the wide receiver position, but just super reliable uh, guy you can really count on in uh, certain situations. I mean, he he had been their number one prior to Metcalf getting there. Um, you know, pretty productive in that role. So. Um, similar, similar to Boyd, I think in, in, in that, but, uh, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you guys wanted to talk about any of them, uh, in particular, but yeah, just wanted to throw out for mine. Um, it's a pretty good, uh, you know, pretty good core on the offense. I think there's a lot of guys I think the Ravens should be concerned about. Man, do I ever want to talk about these guys? Oh man. <laughs> what a unit of wide receivers. Okay. First of all, Lockett had a huge game against the Browns. He was able to get a lot of passes in every level of the defense. And, um, you know, he's really well known for those like moon balls that Russell Wilson used to throw and like, you know, coming down under him and all that. But he is a total wide receiver, complete game. And, uh, just like Mr. Reliable. And then you have DK Metcalf, who I think would be the most interesting person to meet in real life. Like from like a 
want to see an athletic specimen perspective like this guy is a freak he's so big and he's fast and it's just like unbelievable watching him like i was just impressed watching him all over again he just like doesn't look real he looks like a fake player made in madden you know he just doesn't he doesn't look real man and then jsn remind me a lot of zay he he had a lot of similar you know ex- he's not like you know bust out of your shoes explosive twitchy but he's just very smooth and very like good with leverage and being able to like you know wind through defenses and I, I think he's starting to turn, really turn it on now coming off that <clears throat> broken wrist uh you know i can see how you know took him a couple of weeks but he's getting there now right he's looking a lot better uh so i think i think jsn is uh is, is gonna be an interesting guy to pay attention to and then you look at the running backs uh ken walker explosive plays good you know one cut ability going downhill uh and then sharps he had a decent run in this game as well um looked good kind of unfair to have two like running backs like that in one backfield uh, but i guess that's what happens when you spend two seconds on running backs like they'll probably actually be pretty good and uh what that results in is a defense or rather an offense that's very built on explosive plays they actually get a lot of explosives they kind of live and die by the explosives and uh they're able to produce them. So huge, huge attack. And like, let's, let's put one more name out there. Jake Bobo camp, darling. You might've heard about him during camp. This guy is turning it on the last couple of games being involved in end arounds. He's getting other catches, touchdowns. This guy, this guy's a, a little bit of a threat too. So I, I want to Bobo watch, man. Like he, it's not just a fake name. It's not like Puka, you know, Puka Nakua, also another fake name. No, Jake <laughs> Bobo, real guy <laughs> doing things. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jake Bobo, not to be uh, confused with uh, Boba Fett of Star Wars, but yeah, man, <laughs> there. One of the things I really appreciate um, going to a game, of course, it's number one is to see the Ravens, and hopefully they, they put on a great performance this game. But you know, it, it's always great when you when you ha- go into a game and you're just like, man, who are the players on the opposite team that like you're going to go see. And it might be the only t- opportunity you have in your life to see some of these guys. And I am so excited to watch the um, Seattle Seahawks playmakers run around on the field and do nothing with the football because the Ravens defense is so dominant. <laughs> but I mean, just it, it, it's just incredible to see all the names that these the Seahawks uh, franchise has been able to put together. They all do something different. Um even when you just look at the running backs, Kenneth Walker, he's got a lot of speed, but he's a, you know an inside guy, a, a bruiser. Uh, he can really work well in the power running game. He's gotten a lot of touchdowns so far for the Seahawks this year. Um, but Charbonnet is a very different uh, style of runner, very much more of an outside threat, um, can catch balls, uh, really has great moves in running acquisition. I mean, gosh, when we were talking about the uh, – Looking at the at the draft class during the draft preview episode, we really like Charbonnet. I think it was him and Spears that we had at the top of the boards as like the guys to get uh, in this draft. If you weren't going to get Bijan or Gibbs, obviously, I mean everyone had those guys ahead. But yeah, I don't think that the Ravens have faced an offense this year with this many options that you have to uh, keep track of. The closest probably would be Cincinnati, but I mean Cincinnati wasn't at full strength in that game, so. I don't know if that's a, a full comparison and a full expectation of what we could see. I mean, even the Lions, even though you know they have St. Brown and, and Laporta and Gibbs, um, the rest of the guys on their offense, particularly with Montgomery out, were just guys. 
right? Guys are pretty replaceable. I don't think any of these guys are replaceable on this offense. I think they all do something really, really well. Um, and that's going to be a real challenge for this, for this defense. Who do you focus on, right? What do you, what do you take away? If you take away Metcalf, is Lockett going to eat you alive, you know, in those soft spots in the zone? And then if you try and focus on him, well, are you putting yourself one-on-one on Metcalf? Are you forgetting about Charbonnet coming out of the backfield? It's, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Ravens defensive game plan is against this offense. Yeah. Especially just, I feel like you kind of have to start with Metcalf too, right? I mean, just, you know, I don't think, I don't think the Ravens have anybody who can match up one-on-one like as much as, you know, we've, we've talked about Humphrey being this physical player. He maybe not, not at the strength he normally would be having had the injury earlier in the season, uh, not getting to kind of full strength later. But but even then, I mean, just a, a guy of Metcalf's size and, and speed strength combo, um, even if Marlowe was full strength, I feel like one-on-one, that's probably a t- really tough matchup for him. He, he seems like a player that honestly the Ravens have to decide if they want to probably have bracket coverage for just kind of dedicate two guys to his side of the field and then just play matchup on everybody else. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, for example, you want to put, um, you know, either Hamilton or Stone just kind of over there pretty much the whole game and just have everyone else try to do their best in terms of one-on-one matchups. Um, you know, obviously, I think the the good thing for the Ravens is they're coming in with a defensive line that's been performing really, really well. So um, the more pressure you can get on those guys, I think the secondary will have an easier time. But I fully expect like if the Ravens want to decide to play one guy on him the whole game, they better hope that they're getting home because otherwise like Gino can throw it up and he's probably going to come down with it and make some big plays. The other thing that's going to be a difficult for this defense. Um, this is a good offensive line. This is a good offensive line that the uh, Seahawks have put together here. And they have, there's only been one game this season where Gino has been sacked more than twice. That was, he was sacked four times against Cincinnati um, against Cleveland, we know that Cleveland has a really strong defensive line. Only one sack did they give up. Um, uh, reading uh, through some articles today by Seahawks uh, beat writers and fans, um, it seems like pass protection is where this this uh, unit strength really is. And that's not to say that they're bad at run protection, but certainly there's mu- much more consistency there with the pass uh, protection. And I mean, when you watch the games, you can see it. You can see it. Gino, he's he's got time to throw. He's got a pocket of guys around him. And I don't really know if there's anyone on this group that you can really attack. I mean, obviously they've got Charles cross at left tackle. He was a hype draft pick last year. Um, so he's a guy that, that people know, uh, but yeah, this is a really solid offensive line that the defense is going to go against. Uh, so that's going to make getting the Gino even harder because it's not just, Gino, you got to rattle. You got to get past the guards, too. Indeed, this is a great line. That's one thing I noticed in this game popped off the field to me is that they were able to move the defensive line for uh, the Browns on some of these running plays and be able to get big gains, particularly in key situations, key running downs, you know, third and short. Uh, they were able to do the do the thing and then also they did good good in pass protection um but they could be had with numbers that's kind of one of the thing i did notice and that's not like particularly unusual but it might be the way that we have to get pressure is by bringing numbers and then hoping for the best so we'll see if we're able to generate much pass rush with just you know four or five um you know three or four but uh well, well yeah definitely uh so astute man like i i and i looked at it i was like 
How much draft capital they put in? Not much. Well, very uh, thrifty. You know, obviously Cross was a, a super high draft pick, and that's kind of what you have to do for a good left tackle these days. But Damian Lewis, third round pick, kind of a high third round pick. So, you know, that's kind of some serious draft capital. Then you got Evan Brown, nothing undrafted. And then you got Phil uh, Haynes, fourth round pick, kind of a late fourth round pick, too, top, out of the top 100, 124. And then the right tackle, uh, Forsyth, I remember talking about him when we were doing our draft preview in 2021, sixth round pick, but he's a starting offensive tackle now and playing well. So <laughs> there you go. Like they were able to find the right guys and mostly young. Um, well done, you know, love that for them. Except for uh future hall of famer backup card, uh, Jason Peters on his like 20th season or something ridiculous. Oh man. Oh, he's wow. there right now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I read like if he uh, if he ends up getting a start, I think he'll be like the second oldest offensive lineman to ever start a game. I think, and the the other one is uh, some lineman who played in like the twenties. So very very different game. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's forty one, yo. Oh man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. But yeah, I definitely think it's a good offensive line. Like Noah Fant doesn't scare me. Uh, the tight end, the tight end group in general doesn't really scare me too much. So like, we'll we'll get to see though. You know, maybe No Fant will be able to have a good game, uh, and kind of like continue this uh little like tight end streak that's going against the Ravens, which is so interesting, right? Because like we have like exact kind of players you want to turn down tight ends, but uh maybe just the way we're like scheming it up right now, it's uh you know they're getting targeted a little bit more lately. Yeah, no, definitely, and I I think that's a good uh, point that you bring up once again. Um. Fountain has been able to have a couple uh, big plays this year. Um, seems like he has one or two a game. And what what's the real thing helping him? Just like we're saying, all the attention is on all these other playmakers for the defense. So that's given him some good opportunities for some one-on-one coverage, some uh, spots where he's wide open on the field and able to, to run with the football a little bit. So, yeah, that's that's something the Ravens will have to keep in mind there. Well, moving on to the defense, um, it's another group. I think they've got um, quite a bit of young players I think are doing really well. I think one of the guys to kind of start with, um, Boye Mafe, uh, been a great player for them on the defensive line. Already has five sacks on the year. Um, really looking well. I mean, he was another relatively high draft pick. Um, a guy I think we were talking about uh, a couple of years ago. Sure did. Um, yeah, but uh, he's looking pretty good. They also have a uh, guy, Jaron Reed, as well in the defensive line, um, four sacks this year already. So um, they can get after it. Their pass rush is pretty good. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, you know, starting with those guys, they, you know, we, we should probably go in a little bit more detail. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of said it there, man. Boy Mafe is a unit, dude. Like, definitely one of those kind of guys where you watch the game and you're like, okay, you know, that, that was a tackle. Right. But it was it was a tackle, you know, <laughs> like he, he if, if only the box score could tell you like how good this guy plays in some of these plays. Like, I mean, yeah, he's he's a real deal, man. I thought he was a difference maker. I thought he he looked like a, you know, should have been a first round pick, not a 40th overall. I mean, I, it's, you know, first round light, but it's uh, yeah, he, he he's a serious talent. Yeah. He's playing well. And then Jaron Reed as well for sacks, like you said. He's a guy that kind of reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, how Pierce is playing this year. Just getting in there, blowing up plays, I think. And then behind them, they have good linebackers, man. They hunt. So, like, 
I, I think this is a good defense, too. They're not getting gaudy numbers. They're not like the Ravens. They've been able to let up some more points. And I don't think they're as good as the Ravens. But they have talent at every level that needs to be accounted for. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, we're we're talking about the young guys on this defense and and for good reason. I mean, they have a lot of ascending stars who are freak athletes and and technicians that are guys that the Ravens are going to have to keep an eye out for and and figure out where they are on the field at all time, but I mean, um you can't forget with when you talk about this defense, the anchor in the middle um who's been the anchor for this defense for quite some time with the exception of of uh last year where he he took a, a brief visit to LA, but is back again. Uh, and that's Bobby Wagner. He is once again, leading this team, uh, in tackles. He's got a couple sacks on the year already as well, as well as, uh, just some uh, pass deflection last week. And, you know, we, we've seen it with Roquan, obviously, and how the, this interior linebacker position, it's, it's not dead yet in the NFL. Maybe it's not as important in some other team defenses as it is in others, but uh, like Baltimore, Seattle's another team that really makes use of that position, um, and it's a, a strength of their defense, and I, he's another guy out there um, that the Ravens are going to have to have their eye on. Bobby Wagner, even at the age of 33, he's still a guy who can come out and, and wreck plays, and he's just going to be a, a really solid force for this defense uh, in the matchup, in my opinion. One thing I forgot to mention, actually, um, relatively recent, uh, Leonard Williams, um, also a newcomer to the defensive line, traded mm-hmm. from the Jets uh, just a couple hours ago. So um, I remember from uh, his time, I think both from the Giants and the Jets. Uh, yeah, Giants first and then traded the Jets later. Um, another guy probably to keep out for. I remember him being a good run stuffer. I think he's not so much, a, um, you know, as of an impact on the uh, pass rush, but I still, I think, you know, adding onto that group, I, I think it becomes pretty good. Um, one thing I did notice just about the, some, you know, size of the guys here, um, it might be, might not actually be a, a good opportunity kind of for the Ravens to go a little bit more power heavy for this game, maybe to rely on it, uh, rely on Gus a little bit more, maybe for this game. Um, you know, defensive defensive interior, while they're really good on the pass rush, they're a little bit undersized. So even Jaron Reed, uh, 6'3", 306 pounds, like that's a big defensive tackle, but that's that ain't like a Michael Pierce defensive tackle. A little bit a little bit smaller for that. So um yeah, it'll be curious to see how the Ravens want to attack it. I think they're they're somewhat similar, I think, to Arizona and just a little bit undersized on defensive line. So, you know, they've had success against teams like that in the past. But um, you know, obviously the the town level here is a little bit different, but yeah, we'll see. I think it's a pretty uh, good observation there. And I, you look at it and you look at the teams that they've had to play so far. Um, really, the teams that they've played really don't... It's either not really their style to, to play that type of, of bully ball or they just don't have the players for it. Um, their schedule, they, they've played you know the, the Rams so far. They played the Lions when David Montgomery was out. Uh, the Panthers, the... Um, Bengals really aren't having too much success with Mixon so far this year. So, I mean, that is when you're looking for an edge where you might have on this defense, I think that's a really interesting one that you just pointed out there. And I mean, look, Gus has warmed up. It took him a little bit uh, to find his footing in this offense, but yeah, he had a great week against Detroit built on it against Arizona. Hey, maybe we see him go for over a hundred this game. That might could be a, a good spot to, uh, to attack this defense is with some more Gus bus. 
I think that's a good point that you bring out. And one thing I noticed when I watched the game and then I like looked at the snap counts to kind of better understand is that they actually use a lot of lighter personnel than most teams. Like we're not just talking nickel. They do some dime. They have safeties. They have three safeties that they use a lot. Like their lowest use safety has uh, you know, 67% of snaps. So they're looking, you're seeing a decent amount of three safety looks. And similarly, they have a lot of corners that they get run. They have like a slot corner. They use a good amount too. Um, you're seeing some of these later later fronts um and i think we might be able to run on it and you also see that they really lean on certain guys to play a high level amount of snaps like boy mafe reed those guys are playing three-fourths of the snaps so that's a lot for those kind of players and uh you might be able to wear them out if you uh do a power running game yeah it's definitely interesting um I think before we kind of move on the offense, one, you know, we should probably point out some of the names in the secondary too. Don, you mentioned the the sort of, uh, you know, nickel and dime looks that they like to go on the back end, but secondary is probably one of the best. I think the Ravens have probably faced all year. Uh, Devin Witherspoon um, and, and Tariq Woolen, great cornerback combo. And like you said, Alec, the, the three safety combos you're kind of talking about, Condre Diggs, Jamal Adams, uh, Julian Love. I, I mean, that's a, that's a really great secondary between those guys. Lots of playmakers. Obviously, last year uh, as a rookie, Tariq Woolen kind of stole the show, kind of became one of the best cornerback stories in the league besides Sauce Gardner. Um, and uh, Witherspoon this year, I believe, has uh, is, is kind of come off to a great start. So, yeah, you know, certainly lots of uh, lots of talented guys in the secondary. I think uh, the receiving core is going to have uh, going to have their work cut out for them this week. Um, but I, you know, I think. Uh, I think it's see, you know, I, I think that this will be a, a good opportunity, I think, for Munkin to uh, bring out some new wrinkles to the offense that they haven't seen before, kind of uh, change some things up on, on tape for them. Um, certainly, I think it, it's it's not impossible. I think the Ravens have played a lot of good defenses before, but um, it'll it'll be a good test for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Witherspoon, um, gosh, if you watched any of that uh, awful, they wanted to call it a football game with the Seahawks and the, and the Giants, um, a few weeks ago, that Monday night game, not terribly much to watch, but man, Witherspoon definitely put on a show. He had a sack in that game and an interception. He might've returned it for a touchdown. He had a pretty big interception return in that game, if I'm remembering correctly. But yeah, th- this is another reason I think that the power game, uh, power running game is something that the Ravens might need to lead on because um, the Seahawks secondary, they've really been shutting down uh, some pretty prominent um passing attacks this year uh Cincinnati they got off to a fast start against Seattle but then after the first quarter the the uh the the defense really clamped down and and Burrow uh he got held to under 200 yards passing in that game in a game that was in Cincinnati that was what the Seahawks were able to do um on the road I mean uh the Rams were able to have success against them but that was in the the first week of the season so um you know that was a while ago I mean, the other thing you could argue here, though, is is outside of the Bengals and the Rams um, and the Lions, not really great passing attacks you're going against. Uh, so, you know, Carolina, P.J. Walker led Browns, the Cardinals. We saw that last week, the Giants. So, um, you know, like we've been talking about how the Ravens really haven't been challenged uh, too much by um, an offense that has a, a lot of playmakers. Um, the The Seahawks, conversely, while this unit is really good from a passing perspective, they haven't really been had to face that many uh, tests themselves against uh, teams that have a lot of options there in the passing attack. So um, 
that's something else to look at. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I still think though, you look at what they did at Cincinnati. Um, granted, they were coming off a bye week, um, but I, you look at that and that really has me uh, nervous for how the Ravens are going to fare from the passing perspective against this team. I think you're right. Munkin's going to have to come up with something that we haven't seen yet to to throw these guys off guard because just doing what we've been doing, that's probably not going to be enough to have consistent, uh, sustained success uh, in this game. Well, I'll leave you with this. One thing I noticed is that um, they can be had uh, if you can find the soft spots in zones. That seems to be their their kind of their weak spot. Maybe they don't trade off the zones quite as cleanly. And I think guys like Mark Andrews can can really exploit that, but we need to see other people do it too. Um, anyone is fine, right? So maybe maybe that's, that's a good opportunity for Odell because he might have that veteran savviness. might be good for Zay because he's you know smooth. It could be good for Bait. I'll just game off Odell. It could be anybody. But I think that's going to be a key to the game. Bold predictions? I guess I can get started. Um, I don't... Man, I feel like... Uh, I feel like... I've been I've been picking against the Ravens. I think a little bit. I picked them against them with the Lions. I guess I did pick for them against Arizona because we were all kind of agreed on that. Um, man, it's going to be hard for this one. Um, it's a game I certainly think certainly think the Ravens can win. Um, I think that they've you know they have they have won three in a row, but then again, <laughs> still still some question marks. Um, I guess I shoot Ravens podcast. Uh, I, I feel like gotta pick the Ravens to win. Um, I'll say um, I'll say this. I'll say twenty seven seventeen Ravens. Um, I think they'll I think they'll pull it out. I'm gonna say for my bull prediction. I'm gonna say. Um, I do. I think. I think this will be a good breakout game for uh, Bateman. I think. Uh, I think he'll end up getting a touchdown this game. Actually, I don't think. Yeah, he doesn't have one on the year. I believe. Nope. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say he ends up with a touchdown. Um, probably over 50 yards receiving and a touchdown. What I think is going to be interesting with this game, and we'll see how it uh, actually, you know, uh, turns out once the teams are playing. I think we're going to see what lessons the Ravens learned uh, from the games against the Colts and against the Steelers, where they were not able to make the decisive play that they needed to um, on offense to put the team away. Because I think this is going to be a close game. I think this is going to be a close battle. And honestly, I look at the Seahawks, I look at the Ravens, and take it from an unbiased perspective, I actually don't know which team is better. I think these are two very evenly matched teams. Um, Lamar I, I, is definitely a, a better quarterback than Geno Smith is, but I think there's other um, areas of the Seahawks roster that you could say they're slightly better than the Ravens. Um, but it's going to be a close game, in my opinion. I'm going to give the edge to the Ravens simply because it's a home game and because in a clutch situation, I think I trust Lamar more than I would trust Geno Smith to make a play. So I'll give the Ravens a 23 to 20 win. And I just really love what Chris uh, pointed out here with the fact that um, this really looks like a game where the Ravens could really uh, dominate with a strong rushing attack, uh, particularly one that's between the tackles. Gus, he had 
64 yards against the uh, the Lions, 80 against the Cardinals. Let's get him over 100 this game, 100-plus yards on the ground for Gus. Man. Well, it's going to be tough for how all these things happen unless the Ravens really succeed. But I like what you're thinking, Chris, with the Bateman touchdown. That's, I was leaning that way. I was going to enumerate that he would get 60 yards catching and a touchdown. Uh, but now that that's off the table, I'm going to say I bet it last week it didn't happen, and I wanted to go with Bate this week. So maybe, who knows, hopefully that still does happen. But I'm going to go with Odell does finally get his touchdown. Kind of go back to saying, like, if you have been involved, Odell can have his too. And that would be significant because the Ravens only have three wide receiver touchdowns <laughs> receiving this year. All the rest have gone to that one guy named Mark Andrews, who's dominating with six already in the year, having a great year. So I want to see the wide receivers get more touchdowns. So I'm going to say the wide receivers get two touchdowns in this game which will almost match their season output. <laughs> Man, that is pretty incredible. Are they both, are the other two, is it just Aguilar? Two to Aguilar, it's one to Zay. One to Zay, that's mm-hmm. right, yeah. Yep. yep. So, uh, and as for score, mm, okay. So, this is why I think the Ravens are going to win. I think that if you, like, say good player, great player, you know, the numbers are, are similar. But I think if you add in like star player where like they just shine a little bit brighter, the Ravens have more shine brighter players on both sides of the ball. And that are, I think like truly best in class at their position. And that's why they're going to win. So Ravens win this game. And I think it's going to be in a better fashion. I think they're going to still put up 30. So I'm going to say they're going to go get another 31 spot, but we'll feel happier about it because of quality of opponent and game flow. And, <laughs> And I think the Seahawks are going to be struggling at 17. I think that this might be a big win for the Ravens, another kind of like pseudo-statement win. Well, what do you guys think? Love to hear your thoughts. Leave a comment on the video if you're watching on YouTube or send us a note on Twitter or threads at Pod, or even email us. You can write us a novel if you want. Pod at gmail.com. No character limits there. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week, hopefully after a big win at home against the Seahawks. Go Ravens.